Welcome to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast, a show about innovations, technology, and leaders in the recruitment industry. Brought to you by TalkPush, the leading recruitment automation platform. Hello, and welcome back to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Max Armbruster, and today I'm welcoming Zach Engler, who is the head of sound acquisition for a company called Par Systems, which he'll tell us all about. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, Max. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. When I saw that you moved into this new company, I thought there was a real good match between the kind of recruiter that you are, a tinkerer, somebody who likes to play with toys, and the kind of business that's, that Par System does. But for those who don't know you, perhaps... Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, where you came from, how you got into recruitment, and then we'll talk about your business next. Yeah, so thank you. I started off with a career in more of an HR generalist capacity at Target Headquarters, transitioned over through to more of a retail leadership slash talent development and recruitment person while in my time at Apple. And that's really where I got my taste of full-on recruiting, and from there, just realized that it needed to be 100% of my job. Landed an opportunity at Amplifone, the world's largest provider of hearing care solutions, and oversaw the build-out of their North American talent acquisition team. And from there, you know, was really on a great pace in, in terms of exploring new technologies and bringing new capabilities to recruitment when PAR Systems came along with really the dream job for me. As you said, I'm a tinkerer. I love all things nerdy when it comes to space flight, when it comes to nuclear reactors, when it comes to and, and nuclear energy, when it comes to robotics and automation and PAR does all of those things. So it, it just was one of those kind of once in a opportunities that I got to capitalize on and they're slated from some tremendous growth over the next few years. So they brought me on as a head of talent acquisition to really help grow out that capability and scale the team. And I, I believe your this company is a few hundred people today. Yeah, we have 450 people. We have locations here in Minnesota, in the Minneapolis area. We have another large uh, location in Brunswick, Georgia. And then we have satellite offices around the world. Uh, some of the locations are in the United Kingdom, South Africa, France, uh, Japan. But overall, the, the nice. biggest locations are in Minnesota. Minnesota. And, uh, Georgia, and, and Georgia. And Georgia, okay. And PAR Systems hires a lot of engineers then and finds uh, what it's looking for in Minnesota. Yeah, 75% of our staff is either engineers or highly technical positions. A lot of the projects and, and pr products that we design and build are one of a kind or first of a kind solutions. The robotic crane system Currently tearing apart Chernobyl is one example of something that had never been done before mm -hmm. that we designed and built. But yeah, as far as the, the engineering talent that we're looking for, a lot of that is based here in Minnesota, whether it's applications engineers, controls engineers, systems engineers, mechanical engineers, electronics engineers, you know, we are looking for them all. And so getting into those work streams has been a unique challenge for me as well. Yeah, I think I think you're the man for the job. But the, 
but these roles seem like perhaps you would uh, you would find them in the in sort of fundamental research university sector find these kinds of profiles because if you said it's first of a kind you're not going to find people who have you know nuclear crane on their resume much <laughs> or i'm sorry if i'm misquoting your example is your funnel focused on more general traits and then you know you need a, a solid engineering background and then general traits of the tinker or you know can you learn on the job kind of thing yes our, our team full heartedly believes in in training and development mentorship a lot of the people that come into our organization in a junior position are given a mentor almost immediately are set on a path for development and one of the nice things about joining the par team is that you know, if you go join a, a larger organization, you might be assigned as an engineer to work on a piece of the widget that's a bigger part of the project for the next two years. Whereas at PAR, you get assigned projects almost immediately that you get to own. You're given guidance and support as you work through those projects. But you can almost think of us like a McKinsey or Deloitte in a way where we're not the company always necessarily turning out the product. We're the ones helping other companies design and build the things that will go out and make their products. So it's really fun to be at that very, very leading edge of, of the production line. I see. And, and working on the production lines. So from design to production and figuring out how to optimize there. Exactly. Um, yeah. Cool. So as part of the rec recruitment process for you, when you were being considered for this job, did they ask you to show the toys you've been building. I remember you you were one of the first people to experiment with chatbots for the world of recruitment. Um, <laughs> was this part of the selection process? I, I think it helped my case. But yeah, they, in the 10 interviews I went through, Man. it was definitely a great exposure to the organization to learn all the different quadrants that, that we work within, whether it's material handling and a crane and nuclear work, whether it's a military a marine, whether it's aerospace and aeronautics or a life sciences automation. In those four areas, I got a chance to, to work with those folks and share my story of how we streamline candidate workflow through automation to allow us to actually connect with the person behind the resume and get to the best candidates more quickly if we're on the sourcing side of, of, of the candidate funnel. So there was definitely a lot of uh, hope and, and positivity around that aspect of the work that I'd done in the past. People in, in North America on, in 2020 are complaining of the fact that in spite of the highest unemployment rate uh, in the history of the country, practically, it's still hard to find people. It's still hard to find enough talent to go work in even entry-level jobs like retail and call centers. In, in your space, I suppose the, the impact has been lesser, both for the talent and the employer, because... Engineering keeps on engineering. <laughs> there hasn't been a, a massive impact. So two-part question. First, are my assumptions correct? And secondly, what can you do to expand your talent pool if it is you know, the ongoing hustle that it has been to find enough engineers? Yeah, for sure. So I think your assumptions are spot on. You know, with the baby boomer generation moving in towards that retirement age, you know, we have 10,000 baby boomers retiring each day. 
for the next nine years here in the U.S. And as they vacate these skilled positions, they're leaving openings that we won't necessarily have the talent to backfill. And I think one of the unique things that we're challenged with at PAR is figuring out what are some of those pathways from skilled trade to STEM, right? Like how can we bring in people who maybe don't have a four-year degree in an area, but have an associate's degree and train them up and, and train them into then those other types of roles and positions within the organization. And this doesn't have to be just engineering. This could be in my prior world of hearing care in pharmaceuticals and nursing, for example, right? There's a lot of entry points to those or types of businesses where you can enter in as a pharmacy tech, as a, a nursing assistant and go through schooling and get support as you then train yourself up to those higher levels within those businesses. It's getting those tracks in place and making that easier for mm-hmm. companies to do that I think will definitely be helpful. There's a local organization here called Make It MSP or Greater MSP that is focused on drawing talent to the Minneapolis and Minnesota region. And, and some of the work that they're doing is, is focused on just that of how do we create more visibility and opportunity for a diverse candidates that, that didn't always have the privilege of going to university, for example. Yeah. And so explain to me how that career would, that imaginary perfect candidates <laughs> would look like. Were we talking about a, te- a technician who was doing mechanical repair work on, I don't know, air conditioning units because he needs to, uh, you know, put food on the table, feed mm-hmm. his family, his or her and uh, although there. they have never <laughs> met a female uh, air conditioning technician but i'm sure there are plenty of them and uh, so i had a mental picture <laughs> so this person would have the the intellectual curiosity and the ambition to move into the engineering space and then would start to receive more fundamental training into these uh, let's say into the nuclear field, does that kind of transition can happen? In certain instances, absolutely. And, you know, I think women are now a bigger part of the collegiate population in general in the United States anyway. So targeting and empower and creating visibility to these types of opportunities, I think it's one area that businesses in STEM uh, fields would benefit from, right? Because a lot of times we're just running into the situation of, it's not top of mind for students, whether it's high school or college students, they don't know that they can become a a shop floor technician with only a two-year degree that pays $50,000 a year right out of school. They don't know that they could become a pharmacist or tech or a a hearing care professional right out of school with minimal training and, and certification. And so creating that type of awareness for students, I think, is a cultural shift as well for us to get through because I think the the baby boomers did a great job of, you know, propagating college and saying college, 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 whatever you do, just go to college. It doesn't matter. Just go. But they got away from the real work. (laughs) Right. We we shifted and pivoted from college being the emphasis to now. I think we need to just figure out where are the priorities for economic success and how do we align that with people's passions and desires. Now, I totally get that. Now that we've put the blame on the boomers, I totally get it. <laughs> Zach and I are both, I believe, Gen X. Not, not uh, at all. The, no? <laughs> I, I'm an elder millennial, we'll say. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. 
So elder millennials and young, fresh uh, Gen Xers like myself, we, there's a very high chance that we were raised in a family where our parents did not work in, in industrial work, right? Because our parents' generation, they, they're the ones who, where the industrial work turned south for most of Western economies. And so there's, I guess, that you, yeah, you have to start from scratch to, to show a new generation of people that there is this kind of work available. Exactly. And I think organizations can also, you know, work harder to create those opportunity, visibility for those opportunities. Even if you just look at some of the technology that's in place at a lot of major corporations, you know, the ATS can either be a, a great tool for companies to use, or it could be the bane of everybody's hiring experience, right? Like there's still sadly so many companies that just let the ATS be this never ending pool of people applying and getting no responses. But there's also some really great examples of companies diving in and, and creating those personal connections, those career networks and giving people support mechanisms after they're rejected. Like what a concept that we would, even though we're saying no to you, we would help you out and give you thoughts and advice and, and areas mm. to investigate that might be better aligned with your skill set. Yeah. I think the ATS stronghold is, is also because in North America in particular, there's a legal concern of compliance with EEO, OFCCP, FCRA guidelines. And for a tinkerer like yourself, maybe I can ask you, is there a way to be compliant uh, with these guidelines without using the ATS? Is it, are we making our talent acquisition people making a big thing out of something that doesn't need to be? I think that the ATS definitely has its place uh, in the recruitment process and in the talent acquisition process. I don't know that we're able to get past that per, per se, mm -hmm. but it's like anything, how you use it, it should be the focus of every business and, and using it just like we're focusing on diversity and inclusion, just like we're focusing on championing women in leadership capabilities. We should be focused on um, creating a, a highly engaged personal process for every candidate. Yeah, I, I feel like you're dodging the question a little bit, which is the question I'm trying to get at is, can, <laughs> can we do compliance and can we be compliant without asking the candidate to go through the ATS? And I, I think the answer is yes, but I, I'm happy to hear your opinion on this topic if you, if you think I'm wrong. If, if we're able to get to the information we need to know to be compliant, then I, my answer would be yes. So there might, maybe there is a chat tool out there that could help people get to that spot within the, the, the process to streamline that candidate flow. The thing I would caution there is just, are you, are you still going to ask the same questions that you would when people are clicking through the 15 Taleo steps, right? Only yeah. just now they're having to do it on SMS with their thumbs, not to throw under the bus, but they're an easy target. <laughs> right. Yeah, the questions still have got to be there. If I understand your comments on, on the chat, and you obviously you know which angle I'm coming from. I, I am not an advocate for chat interface all the time 
for everybody. And if, if we're talking about a long checklist of uh, tick marks you have to fill in, I do think that an actual forum UI is more appropriate than a chat. But I also think it's a shame if what you're trying to build, you know, you're trying to build interest, you're trying to build engagement to get all of this compliance and all these checklists done at the front of the funnel might dilute your message and, and you, you might miss out on some good candidates that are, you know, you can take them from cold to lukewarm or, or very warm before you have to go through the compliance stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where automation can definitely step in of how are you finding the best fit for your organization quickly? And how are you teaming that person up with another person as quickly as possible? Because I am a little biased that a, a recruiter who's looking at a job holistically from start to finish will be a great, what I like to call a talent liaison for the company and for that candidate so that you can build trust with them throughout the recruitment process so that you can have a true rapport and an understanding of even if this particular role doesn't work out, there may be other opportunities that align in the future. And that person will be more likely to participate as well because they had a confidant at the organization teamed up with them rather than a siloed experience where they got passed off from person to person or mm -hmm. had to con continuously apply through this you know, stale old process to not get any results or, or traction with their application, even though they might be a huge promoter of the brand. When, when somebody changes job uh, and moves into a new company like yourself, like you did a few, a couple of months ago, it's usually an opportunity for the new company to like pick the brains and get the best ideas from, from the new, the new person. What, what are some of the early initiatives that you've been able to implement coming into the new role that you can share with us? Yeah. One of the first areas we're tackling is our job posts, actually. To this point, we're just copy pasting job descriptions onto our careers page. And as you um, may have heard me say in the past, you know, too many bullets kill people. So let's, if people aren't going to read the full thing, or they're only going to pick out a couple of bullets that are relevant and then apply anyways, that doesn't help anybody in the process, right? It doesn't help mm -hmm. the company or the candidate. So we're trying to pilot and pivot to a performance-based job posting methodology, which will tell a story about the role. It'll give you a sense of what your first 90 days or first year are going to look like. It'll also mm -hmm. tell you what you're going to get out of joining our organization and not just say like, you will do this for us, but here's what you'll get out of that experience. And it's our goal to, to use that as a, a lever to set us apart from the competition, looking at 30 or so different competitors that we have in our industry, maybe one or two of them is taking a similar approach, mm -hmm. if that. It'll also help us increase our diversity inclusion efforts as well, because as you know, some job descriptions can be inherently biased and that can shy people away from the application process. All right. And help me get a visual around that. We're talking about, you said, I guess, less bullet points and more of a journey. So does it look like a slide deck where you move through a few images of this is what your job would look like? This is what you'd be doing. Is it like a slide deck or am I being a management consulting nerd? No, no, no. You're just fast forwarding from what I want to implement in the next six months. But it starts off with storytelling. And really, if you check out Lou Adler, he's got some great He's really been the pioneer in this space. 
uh, that yeah. I've molded our approach off of both at Amplifone and now here at, at PAR. So it, it really is that storytelling approach to encourage people to self-select out once they start reading and understanding that this isn't a fit for them and to really accelerate the interest of, of somebody who it is a fit for. And then, yeah, down the road, having those more interactive and engaging job posts, uh, video job posts or video advertisements around virtual job descriptions is on my roadmap for next year. Well, one thing that uh, sourcing teams uh, challenge, you know, are challenged with is, oh, that sounds great, you know, what you just described, but we don't have enough leads. So we don't, we don't have time to like build more information and more screens you have to go through in order to get to the applicant stage. So I was thinking, you know, the salvation may come from changing the main metric from cost per lead, number of leads to a more complex metric where you would only measure a lead if uh, it's qualified, it's interested, it's shown what the first 90 days are on the job. And after all that, it says yes. Have you had to change a little bit the way you track and you measure effectiveness and TA, or is that part of the plan? That'll be a part of the plan. So we're on month two and establishing a core set of KPIs and metrics will be happening here as well. And I think having that ability to capture the candidate where they live is an ideal place for us in the future. So that as somebody's browsing Facebook, browsing LinkedIn, or just browsing the web, they come across an ad for us and they're engaged in our brand either via a chat system or via an interactive job posting that is more likely to draw their attention than just the standard boilerplate. Great. Well, um, looking forward to see what comes out of the Zach Engler School of Talent Acquisition Tinkering. Congrats on the new role and thank you for joining me on the podcast and sharing your insights with our viewers. Where can people get a hold of you? Absolutely, Max. Thanks for having me on. If people want to learn more, they can visit zachengler.com for a little bit more about myself, some of the things that radical ideas I have around AI, as well as a children's book that I've been working on. And people can visit par.com to learn more about our organization. A children's book as well? Did I hear that right? Uh, yes, yes. There is a children's book I've been working on for the last decade. If you have little ones, check it out. It, it, it'll bring a smile to hopefully anybody from age nine to 92. You've been working on it for a decade? Wow. Yeah. For a yeah. It's, a, it's about a family of dung beetles. Dung beetles. Okay. ZachAngler.com. We'll go check it out. Thanks again <laughs> for being on the show. Absolutely, Max. Thank you. That was Zach Angler from Par Systems who I've always known to be a tinkerer and an insatiable mind, very curious. And isn't it great to see him find a company where he gets to work in robotics and nuclear technology and other? I think there are very few areas, functional areas like talent acquisition, that allow for people to go into these fields and an opportunity to learn about the areas that they're passionate about without having to have formal training in this domain. So I'm sure Zach will make the most of it and inspiration for us to always look for the company that aligns most with our values. Hope you enjoyed this interview and that you'll come back for more at the Recruitment Hackers podcast. Thank you.